Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another special edition of Archivist Bet on Sexy Witches, a podcast from the Geek Girls perspective, and I am the head huntress. And some of you may know what that music is, some of you may not, but um, that is Evil from New Japan Pro Wrestling, one of my favorite wrestlers that's not on AEW. Um, but tonight we are recapping not only the death match, the 45, Colt 45 Memorial death match in Knoxville, Tennessee, which I've been talking up the last few episodes. We're also going to have a quick review later on in the podcast uh, of the Blood and Guts AEW tournament, as well as a few other surprises up our sleeves for this evening. It's going to be a nice, tight hour and a half tonight, so nice and short, so please stay with us live, and please call in if you have any questions for any of us, or just want to shout out our call-in is 646-716-9172. Once again, 646-716-9172. Those sexy witches are looking for your call. Now, I cannot absolutely do a wrestling podcast without some assistance. And tonight, my regular sexy witches uh, panel is taking a break this Sunday. But you know this gentleman. He's been on the show many times and probably will be on the show many times no more. He is the son of Celluloid. But in this case, he is also the voice of violence. So please, welcome to the show, the voice of violence himself, the son of Celluloid, Nathan Hamilton. Thank you for being on the Sexy Witches. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everything in between. I normally come to you as the son of celluloid. Tonight I come to you as the voice of violence. I first and foremost want to wish a very happy Mother's Day to the head entrance and all of the mothers listening, raising up the next generation of monster kids. And I am very happy to be here to talk some wrestling. That is fantastic. I am glad to talk wrestling with you as always, as well as a few horror things thrown in for good measure. Because, But we're not doing this one alone, are we, Mr. Hamilton? Oh no, we have a special guest with us tonight. So, shall I introduce our special guest? Uh, let me get his music going first. But yes, because every great intro in wrestling needs a great intro music. Hold on. There we go. This is music. This is the man who I was a big fan of before I ever met. And he's one of my favorite commentary partners I've ever had. He is a legendary manager. He is a legendary announcer and commentator. And he is a man who has orchestrated more bloodshed than your average third world dictator. He is the Reverend himself, the one and only, Dan the Dragon Wilson. 
Thank you so much for having me on the show. And it is Mother's Day, and I've been called a mother a time or two, but there was usually something else that followed that word. Thank you all for having me. Glad to talk some wrestling and other assorted accoutrements of the dark side. Well, thank you, Miss. Um, should I call you Father or Reverend? How would you like me to address you sir, during this uh, conversation or about that? Oh, I don't have a stick up my ass or anything. You can call me Dan. You can call me Rev. Whatever is. is I'll call you Rev. How's that? Is that cool? That's perfect. All right, Rev. So, please, once you introduce my, uh, we do have, like, six really devoted followers on, on this show. So, they will be listening. <laughs> so, once you introduce yourself, tell them a little bit about what you do, and not just about your managing skills, which are divine, and we'll talk about your wrestler tank as well, but also, you used to do some horror podcasting yourself. Yeah, I do. I still host a, a weekly horror podcast through my production company, One Good Scare Productions, which is sort of my labor of love. Um, and it's this podcast is called Seeking Human Victims. We have a new episode each and every Monday that is available wherever you find podcasts, I, I, etc. You can follow us on Twitter at OG Scare for more information about what we do there. We've put out two short films previously, a variety of web content, and that podcast is really the flagship of it, where we break down a horror movie each episode and really go in-depth in the behind-the-scenes process and talk about that, and it's a whole lot of fun. Ah, we'll talk movies later. I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, but tonight we have some business to take care of, because... You were in the the Memorial Death Match with your manager Tank, as well as my man, the Voice of Violence, was actually the actually the Voice of Violence. He was hosting the matches. So, um, from let's talk a little bit about once again, just to remind people uh, why you were there and who Colt Forty Five was, and then let's talk about the actual matches themselves and what was happening because it was a blast. First of all. That was not only my first live rest. That was my first live wrestling show I had ever been to. So for me, it was a pretty like you know thrown off the deep end kind of a thing. I've watched plenty of wrestling in my day. I was an old school watcher. My favorite wrestler of all time is Rowdy Roddy Piper, and I I was there for the beginning uh, for him. Uh, you know, but I lost for a while. I lost my fun in it. About, about the time Kane and and Sting had the infernal match is when I stopped watching. Um, is that right? Was that Kane? No, Kane and the Undertaker. See, I can't even yep. remember now. Kane and the Undertaker. I take it back. Sting is a. But now I've been watching AE, New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW. Kind of got me back into it again. So, um, and so I go to this death match. But it was more than that. It was actually a memorial to a very young, uh, very popular wrestler. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. That being your first show is a lot like saying I shot heroin before I smoked my first cigarette. <laughs> but, but, yeah, Colt 45 was one hell of a – he was a hell of a talent. He was an up-and-comer. Like, I have no doubt he was going to be one of the next big things in deathmatch wrestling. And even more than that, he was a hell of a guy. Like, it's very rare you meet anyone or know anyone in the wrestling business that no one has a bad thing to say about. I mean, you know, someone's got beef with anybody. 
But I've never heard a single person say anything bad about Colt 45. Everyone loved the dude. The fans, his fellow workers, I mean, he, he was just a great guy. And we were all there to pay tribute to him, and I think we did a good job. And it fueled the energy of the crowd. The crowd was jazzed. The uh, the, the the wrestlers were jazzed. Every almost almost everything went according to plan. Almost there was a few things that didn't. We'll talk about those one. I'm sure they'll come up. Uh, but the first few matches, uh, the first one was I don't remember what the first one. The second one was the Royal Rumble. That was really when everything started to kick in. And I have a lot of great photos from that on the slideshow, by the way. That was one of my favorite. That was my favorite one to photograph, I should say, was that one. Um, so, uh, Mr. Dan, Reverend Dan here. Uh, so, you were behind the scenes, and Tank was actually part of – which match were you part of? You want to tell my, my audience, my little six people? <laughs> yeah, so Tank uh, – so just to give a little background, Tank and I both had been retired for quite a while. Yeah, Tank started right. business in 1996. I started in 1999. We both had pretty long careers and runs and done a lot of stuff, but we both kind of hit a point around 2018-ish – where uh, it, it, we, we pretty much wound things up. So, of course, the pandemic happens. We get stuck at home, bored off our asses, with no outlet for our frustrations. Um, I can't really go make any short horror films because there's no people that want to, you know, get in contact with other people. It was really a bland, boring, terrible time for all of us, I know. Uh, so, of course, you know, when you're alone with your thoughts for that long, you kind of get to know yourself a little bit better. And ultimately we both decided that coming back was something that we really needed to do and wanted to do. And so we went down to uh, WrestleMania weekend in Tampa this year. And that was sort of where we made our return to the business there at Tony Deppin's beer house, which was streamed live on IWTV. And then later that night for ICW, no holds barred, uh, which has turned into a whole, bunch of stuff so really like we've jumped right back into the deep end and the Colt 45 Memorial was only our second match back um, and I've been managing Tank since 2005 specifically on and off uh, we've you know gone all over the place together but it's been several years since we were together as a unit where I was managing him everywhere uh, and that's what we're doing again this time. So wherever you see me, you're going to see Tank. Wherever you see Tank, you're going to see me. Uh, no matter, no exceptions on this run because it's, we're, you know, part of it is we're doing it for each other and we're doing it for ourselves. So the Colt 45 thing, this came up because we found out that Colt 45 was a regular attendant at NWA Wildside as a kid uh, in Cornelia, Georgia, which is one of the places me and Tank had a huge run and come to find out he was big fans of us and grew up watching us. And I only really got to meet him the one time I did when I did commentary was Nathan at Carnage Cup 11 in Iron City, Tennessee. And I was very impressed with a barefoot match that he had with the, another late wrestler who we lost to cancer, uh, the young Adam Bueller. And, uh, you know, was impressed with both of us. I got to meet and talk with Colt a little bit and just really liked him a lot. So, of course, when this opportunity came up, we could not, at all say no we were glad to jump in and contribute and tank actually got to wrestle a guy that he had been wanting to tangle with for many years a guy named damian wayne who's a great journeyman competitor he's held championships in the nwa and all over uh he used to be based out of virginia and he was kind of the the you know east coast guy for a while 
uh, way back in the day. And him and Tank were always passing like ships in the night, but we're always friends and always kind of wanted to tangle it up in the ring. So they finally got to do it here in this street fight in honor of Colt 45, and they had a whole lot of fun doing it. So, yeah, um, so talk about the street fight and, and how how it went down, because there was a lot of people in that ring. Um and um, and watching it, Nathan, this was your first. This is a return for you. This was a lot. Not only was this a, a comeback for you, sir, and Tank. There were people that are out of retirement that like hadn't wrestled in years came out just for this match. Nathan, this was your debut uh, after a long, long absence. Uh, so there was a yeah, lot of was... going on. Yeah, this was my first time back in quite some time doing this, and it was. It was the first time I've actually been able to get in the ring to do ring announcing in a long, long time, which was really cool. And it was also my first time going down to uh, Total Psychopathic Wrestling, or up, actually, to Total Psychopathic Wrestling in Knoxville. And I will be returning very soon. So, yeah, I, I dig it up there. I'm going to think I'm going to have to do it again. So we had, the, we had the, uh, the opening match. We had the street ball. Now, my favorite match of all the matches by far. And I didn't expect this one to be my favorite because I, I've heard about them, but the barefoot match with Raven and Sarah was my favorite match of the evening. And it was, it was just because they, not only was it fun to watch, but, and sh- first of all, I am totally into mixed wrestling. Like there's not enough of it. Uh, so uh, to see Sarah up there with the boys was impressive, but it was the one that had the audience like putty in their hands. Like, they absolutely had the whole audience, like, the audience was already jazzed after the street fight, because that was pretty fun. But then we had this, like, barefoot match, but it wasn't the barefoot part that was freaking people out, even though that was fun, too. It was the syringes. I've never seen an audience scatter so fast in my life after, you know, the street fight came to us. It came over the edge. It was in front of us. We were pulling chairs back constantly during the whole freaking memorials um, match. But um, uh, being in that audience was wild. So you guys have seen this before, but even Nathan says a barefoot match still wigs him out. So how do you feel about, like, matches on that level of extreme? I mean, you know, sometimes you got to look away at some of this <laughs> stuff. But the deathmatch world is, is very interesting because it, it has really – has unprecedented exposure and success right now. And it's something that I honestly wish I had embraced more earlier in my career because um, I've been doing deathmatch stuff for years, mainly as a commentator. Uh, But I always kind of kept one foot in that world and, uh, you know, most of my career in the regular wrestling world. But now in 2021, it's as much a part of the regular wrestling world as anything. Um, I mean, my God, John Wayne Murdoch won the Independent Wrestler of the Year for IWTV last year. Not the Deathmatch Wrestler of the Year, mind you. The, the Wrestler of the Year. So this stuff is reaching a level of acceptance that is unprecedented. And, um, you know, I... I'm not going to do some of that stuff. <laughs> you know, there, there's a limit for me. I'm, I'm still kind of an old school wrestling manager. You know, I'll, I'll do some crazy stuff, but the stuff that these deathmatch wrestlers do, I mean, it's a level of respect that just like, it, it's unparalleled because 
these they're not normal people and i mean that in the best way possible it's a true throwback to when wrestling was really the toughest of the tough and the baddest of the bad uh, Donald yeah, Murdoch, by the way nearly as long okay. as, i've been doing Go this ahead. nearly as long as uh, the reverend has but i've been calling death matches for almost a decade now and the but just about the only thing that still makes me cringe are barefoot matches and I had a great moment beforehand because you alluded earlier to Carnage Cup 11, that great match that uh, Adam Bueller and Colt 45 had. Before that match, I walked up to Colt 45, and I handed him a package of syringes and said, here, play with these. And he got this evil grin on his face. And just, like, it, was, it was great. It was a great moment. And so this time, I did the same thing. I walked up to Raven. And I handed him a, pa- the, a package of syringes and said, here, play with these. And he got almost the exact same evil grin on his face. It was <laughs> off. It was like a super cool deja vu moment. And it totally worked. First of all, it's an old, what they were doing is old school tricks, which was soft palate um, around the face, which you can make look a lot worse than it actually is. But when they put them in there and then they looked at the audience and then Raven at one point during this thing took his tongue and swirled the syringe around and that was it. The audience just lost it. They just couldn't deal with it anymore. The guy I was standing next to, Tom, ran into the bar. Uh, <laughs> and it was just... It was just so much fun to watch the response. And I'm like, dude, I was loving it because I was like, oh, my God, they have them just totally in their hands. And, 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 and the vibe just kept going. There was only one really terrifying moment during the whole match, and that was the one injury, big injury of the match, which was later on during the uh, audience bring their weapons match, which was the second to last match of the night. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there was a lot – a death match is different in the sense, like, I just watched AEW Blood and Guts, and I know all three of us have done that. And the thing that they use there are, like, classic stuff, like chairs, which, of course, they were using at the death match. And uh, let's see, what else were they using? Bats, right? And then they would also take the turnbuckles off, and they would hit each other. At one point, they pulled up the floor. Uh, but on a death match, you have – Dingle hoppers, which are like the affectionate name for for forks. Uh, you had wiffle bats with with spikes on them, thumbtacks. Um, Nathan, you made two two whiteboards with Christmas lights, and one of them actually worked. Um, light tubing, yep. light tubing is popular in most death matches. Like like um, does Tank do a light tube stunt um, when he's on stage, uh, uh, Dave? Oh, Dan, sorry. See, I'm really tired tonight. Reverend Dan. <laughs> well, I call you uh, yeah, I mean, human. Tank will pretty much do anything within moderation. Like, Tank is, is you know, he's one of those old school deathmatch guys, so he's more influenced by the likes of Terry Funk and Cactus Jack and Onita um, rather than some of the more extreme modern stuff. But, you know, yeah, he's definitely done light tubes and barbed wire, thumbtacks, razor wire, pretty much you name it, he's done it. Now, to what degree he will do is necessarily maybe what what would be up for discussion there. But, I mean, he's the baddest of the fucking bad, so he's going to do uh, he's gonna do whatever it takes. He, he's done it all. He sat on one Back at face. Carnage Cup 10. Back at Carnage Cup 10, I watched Tank have a match with Corporal Robinson. 
in a deathmatch tournament where they didn't touch a weapon until the last 30 seconds of that match, and it was still one of the most brutal matches of the entire day. So these, they just beat the ever-living shit out of each other. And, that, you know, that's just – like, a deathmatch doesn't necessarily have to have all the accoutrements all the way through. Like uh, the Rev was saying, Tank's just a bad motherfucker who just go, will go out there and beat the shit out of people. Yeah, like I said, he was sitting on a guy's face, like like he just sat on him. I have a great picture of it actually, of him. It's a little bit blurry, but it's really funny because the guy below him just looks like, ah, <laughs> I just got a big butt in my face. Hey, when you're when you're yeah. a big dude, that's a potent weapon. I can attest to it. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, there uh, there were like I said, there were a few things that didn't go right because unlike the over over rehearsed mainstream stuff that some of this is much more improvised and called at the ring um which is much more old school style of wrestling so in some ways as 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 extreme as as this wrestling was it reminded me of stuff i used to see back in the day when i was a kid you know that on on the uh access channels and it would play off the state of glow and uh of some kind of roller derby right on saturday mornings <laughs> you know, so it had that raw feel to it, which is awesome. But with raw feelings and improvisation comes accidents and things that don't go right. Um, one of my favorite things, which was actually really funny, and the final match, they had this big white board um, that they tried to light on fire to do a fire event, and nobody could get it lit. It was one of the funniest <sighs> things. Like, like everyone tried. Like, they used cigarettes, they used lighters. Uh, they, at one point after the match, put it over the fire because there was a fire ring in the audience, which, by the way, got used during the match. People were jumping over that thing. Nobody actually landed on it, with everyone, you know, but everyone was jumping over that thing at one point. It was really actually pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, but it just did not light, and that was really funny. Like, like uh, what, what was everyone was like, oh, well. But there were some um, actual injuries at the match, and I'm sure that is, it goes with the territory, but you don't want – they're not. Tr- the difference is these people are not trying to injure somebody. They're 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 doing it for the audience. They're doing it for the love because they're definitely not doing it for the money necessarily. Um, they're definitely doing it for love. I'm sure, Re- Reverend, why you keep coming back to it because you love it in the end. It, it's a passion. You have to be passionate to do this stuff. You gotta. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, after a while, you you can get it to start paying off financially a little bit, but it, I mean, it's a hustle and nickel and diming operation to get that to, to happen. But yeah, and I mean, you know, injuries do happen. It's an unfortunate part of it. You try to minimize them. I mean, even I as a manager, I've had my ACL torn off the bone. I've been injured several times doing some stuff, you know, physical in the matches. But in now in this case, for to my understanding, and Nathan was there the whole time when I was actually already headed out. We were on the way home when we heard about the injury. But um, a, to my understanding, it was the wrong kind of glass. Like there that's is exactly a, what mm-hmm. happened. Um, there, there's someone, a different glass, not tempered glass. So yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It either I I want to give whoever put it out there the benefit of the doubt that they got it from a thrift shop and didn't actually check to see if it was tempered or not. I'm hoping that's what it was because someone had put up, propped up a nice pane of glass uh, up against the turnbuckle. If it was a tempered piece of glass, it would have been a spectacular crash and it would have been okay. 
was not okay. Um, he got one really nasty shard, and I got to see it after they pulled it out. They actually brought it to us and showed us. And it was uh, four inches. This was not a small piece of glass. And it, it hooked under his shoulder blade and cut it open. Um, so, uh, it, it, but it, it was, he needed stitches, but he was like, nah, I'm fine. I'll walk it off kind of thing. Cause wrestlers do that. <laughs> it's like, no, stitches are for bitches. yeah, you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> you need to get this stitched up. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if he actually ever did. Cause he, the, there was somebody else that got a little less injury than him, but then did go to the doctor. So I don't know if uh, he actually went around. I heard I they took him to the hospital. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I think they forced him to. Yeah, <laughs> he, he didn't did. want to go though. Um, but uh, but that was it, and it wasn't like it wasn't like the people who threw him into the glass knew it was t- it was untempered or anything like that. He hit it beautifully. He actually smashed it in the right spot, and I think that's why he wasn't injured. Injured, like he could have been a lot worse. Uh, like, was it decapitated, you mean? Uh, yes, we're glad he was not decapitated, yeah. or his jugular was sliced, or his carotid, or something like that. That would be, like, not good. Uh, so, nothing like that happened. It hit a spot where it was, like, it can be dealt with. And I'm sure he'll be back in the ring. So, uh, we wish him well. He'll probably be back in the ring at the next show on May 22nd. Yeah. So uh, give him uh, give him a, a, a total props for being a badass for taking that bump because not me. So uh, so that that's like the overall of the view. Now Nathan, I, this was your first comeback as well, and um, y- you talk about the moment that Colt's brother gave you a hug, and it's been bringing you to tears ever since. Um, and and even for like just the memorial part of it, that this was just your first match in general. I mean, it must have been kind of magical for you and i can tell you watching you from afar you seem to be bouncing around that ring like a kid in a candy store and you had these huge (laughs) rosy cheeks if you see the picture of you you're like bright red there so obviously you were just like happy (laughs) kitty man like you like you said earlier like once the wrestling bug bites you you have a passion for it and it's you know it's all consuming and to be back doing his, you know, when I was a kid, of course, I dreamed of being a wrestler, you know, every fan does. But then I realized I am not athletic in the least, so I, but I can talk shit. I'm the son of a preacher. I have that in the gift of gab. So, you know, doing deathmatch announcing and, you know, being the ring announcer, being the commentator, just being a part of the show is a dream come true that I appreciate every time I get to do it. And the fact that I hadn't gotten to do it in a while, and the fact that the first time I got to do it was the pay tribute to a friend. And, yeah, the moment where Colt's brother came and hugged me and said, Colt would have fucking loved this. Like, that that was what it was all about. Plus, we it, had, it, plus got a bloodletting ritual to the dead on May Day, which is pagan as fuck. Th- th- that's what I was saying. I was like, okay, well, we're not doing the great rite, but it's definitely a blood sacrifice. Uh, so, and, and I also – the finale, the final drop, which I posted on my Facebook page, it was you one of your light boards, and it worked perfectly. It was indeed. I guess the mad scientist of violence isn't buried quite as deep as I thought he was. Uh, it, he, uh, for people who don't know, he actually created a board. Uh, it wasn't even a very thick it was a piece of ply board with Christmas lights, and they actually turned them on. They also put some light tubes on it. You didn't see this, Dan. It was actually pretty awesome. Um, and they just dropped someone into it, and the whole thing from 
across the ring just went whoosh in this beautiful cloud of, of dust everywhere. Um, it, it was it was actually glorious. Uh, so uh, it was a great <laughs> end to that match. And it was Colt 45 partner who got the final pin of the night, and it seemed appropriate. Yes, Terry Houston. Hardcore yeah, Terry, Terry Houston. He gave um, – gave Insane Lane a Death Valley driver into the Christmas light board. That, it, that was it, how that one ended. And it was, it was a really emotional moment because at the end, well, first of all, Six Feet Under was, it, you know, Freak Show and Insane Lane. This is the first death match they've wrestled as a tag team in a decade and a half. So they, they reunited for this show to take on Brad Cash and uh, Barry Houston. So, I mean, it was historic there already to begin with. And then it was super fitting for uh, Colt 45's tag team partner, Terry Houston, to be the one to get the final fall. And everyone, they got into the ring, and Brad said a few words and everything, like everyone in the ring was teary-eyed. And then the crowd was teary-eyed. And the fact that there was was a Colt 45 chant in every single match on that show, which is dope as fuck. It it was definitely, like, emotional uh, i mean uh, every I, I watch a lot of it this is like my first live one but it there's always the crowds are always lively and one of the reasons why i like to cover uh wrestling on this show is not necessarily because i'm a fan but i am it's because it's a fandom and as we know we cover all fandoms on this show and the fandom on uh, in when it comes to wrestling is one of the most loyal sometimes the most opinionated as well but extremely loyal fan base to wrestling and deathmatch wrestling in particular has a pre it's like their following is almost ravenous. Dan, do you have any issues with the fans sometimes being really obsessed with you or does it always on a respectful level? Cause like, re- uh, like the de- wrestling fans <laughs> are their own thing. <laughs> yeah, no, they definitely are. Wrestling fans are a unique breed and, so, and most of them are really awesome. Um, there are a few that are a little creepy and weird, but not really in the deathmatch world, honestly, like, those are the coolest, most laid-back fans. Those are the type of people I would hang out with at concerts. I mean, they will bring you gifts. They will. I mean, they're just the most real and and supportive group of people that I've ever come across in wrestling. Just this last few months and the support that we have gotten from the Deathmatch community has just blown me away. And that's not to take anything away from just the normal mainstream wrestling community because they've been great as well. But, like, the support from this Deathmatch crew and this Deathmatch family is on another level. And, and it's, um, you know, no, I, I haven't really ran into anything crazy. Now, you know, back in the old days of Southern wrestling heat when I was really a, a heel in, like, 2006, 2007, uh, of course, you know, doing the Satanic Preacher uh, leading my stable of evil cult members, destroying people throughout the Southeast and causing all sorts of chaos and controversy and mayhem. You know, we ran across some crazy fans then. You know, We had to, had to almost fight a few of them at times. But nowadays, they, they love us. We've been doing it so long. We, we get that veteran respect, thankfully. And, uh, yeah, I just it's particularly the Deathmatch fans I cannot say enough good things about. I, as a rule, I was really impressed with the audience and the crowd and that was at this death match. There was one crazy fan at the night. I didn't meet him, thank goodness, but someone actually challenged Akira. He's one of the uh, more popular deathmatch guys, and we'll talk about uh, his upcoming shows in a few minutes because you're going to be at one of them for sure. 
Um, and uh, but like, who would challenge that kid to a fight? I'm like, who would do that? Like a real fight? I was like, no. <laughs> There's always some asshole that wants to test the wrestlers. I think it just comes with the territory. I mean, Gypsy Joe, who was my great uncle and was one of the really founding fathers of the style of hardcore wrestling. I mean, he used to always have problems with fans wanting to fight him in public. And he usually would end up very badly for those fans that would want to fight him in bars and shit. Um, but, you know, one time he got shot, like he beat a guy's ass oh my God. in Nashville in a bar and the guy left and came back with a gun and shot him. And he took the gun away from him and beat his ass until the cops got there. <laughs> so, nice. Um, but, you know, it, that, that is just, it, it's a thing that fans for some reason want to test wrestlers. And usually those aren't like the hardcore smart fans that want to fight the guys. Usually those I, are I, some, I, you know, I have to believe it's some hothead that has a little bit too much alcohol and a little bit too much testosterone. So, exactly. You know, I was going to say some local yokels that had too much to drink. Yeah. So first of all, that's a foolhardy thing to do, especially if you're watching the match to challenge any of those guys uh, and Sarah, for that matter. I would be afraid to fight Sarah in a street fight because she would fight dirty. She would kick your ass. Uh, so, uh, you know. But that's the exception to the rule. It was a wonderful time. Everyone there had a blast. And I was with some of Nathan's friends. He, like, you had three friends that up at that event, Nathan, that had never seen a wrestling match before live, let alone a death match. And, and then one veteran, Amanda, who, by the way, thank you, Amanda, for taking care of me so well during the match. Her boyfriend, or no, is it boyfriend or husband? Her, her boo, we'll just say boo. Uh, Cody was in the street fight, so uh, she took good care of me. And your friend Kelly, thank you as well for meeting her. It was a lot of real good love going on, and I really appreciate it. But I want to transition a little bit, um, Dan, if we could. Would you rather talk? Because y- your character, when you're playing your 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 Riverdale Wilson, is is a satanic preacher. So obviously, there's a crossover with horror, which uh, often Nathan and I always discuss the crossover with horror and wrestling because it's gone hand in hand forever and ever. It's not just the undertaker. It goes beyond that. Uh, so I'll let you choose the next subject for the next 15 minutes. Would you like to talk about uh, horror or would you like to talk about AEW blood and guts and comparing it to deathmatch wrestling? Cause that's like the closest I think I've seen on television in a while that was close to a deathmatch, but still not a deathmatch. If you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, no, I can talk intelligently about both of those subjects. I mean, we can go ahead and start with the horror a little bit. I can tell you some of the influences that, that sort of uh, crafted the Reverend. Um, you know, I, I've been a horror fan since I was a small kid. And, of course, in wrestling, you know, it, it really goes back. Um, I jokingly and actually sometimes seriously in promos will call myself the fourth Satan or the fourth devil of professional wrestling because originally – in the 50s and 60s, you had the great Mephisto, Frankie Kane, who was really the first character to kind of incorporate some of those occult themes. He kind of did a Middle Eastern gimmick, but he, he would incorporate some of those those Crowley and Levian themes that, uh, you know, you, you would later be popularized. And so he was really the first. And then you had Kevin Sullivan 
in the late 70s in Florida doing early 80s doing the satanic panic thing. And then you had James Mitchell, who's a dear friend of mine, who's become, you know, the, he was the, the 90s devil. He was the, uh, in WCW, he was James Vandenberg and Smoky Mountain, Daryl Van Horn. And, and then, of course, later the Sinister Minister is what he ultimately became most well-known as. And, of course, lots of horror influence there. Jimmy's very influenced by the classic universal monsters and things like that. It really comes across in his presentation. And so with me, the Rev is influenced by a variety of of places, uh, of course, from the world of horror would just be like that 70s satanic horror, like the hammer stuff, um, the, the, the cult horror. Um, it would be stuff like um, black metal from the early 90s, the Norwegian scene, um, you know, all the stuff that inspired Lords of Chaos was a big influence. Of course, King Diamond was a big influence on the Rev, yeah. and even things uh, like Otis Driftwood is a huge fucking influence on the Rev, if you couldn't tell. Um it, it, there's a it, you take from a variety of sources. I mean, there's even pieces of Beetlejuice and the Crypt Keeper in there. You know, it's just you take little things from all of these different things you love and try to make it this own, this unique, it, uh, its own thing. And that's that's what I've tried to do with the Rav. And um, so, if you had if someone put a gun to your head and said you have to choose one film, what film is that? Oh, Halloween, 1978. I don't, there's probably oh. not a movie I've seen more than that movie <laughs> ever. And, That's you know, actually I could, not what I expected you to say, to be honest Yeah, with I you. wouldn't. It, it's the movie I've seen the most, and it's like the most comfort food movie to me, I think. Now, I, if you like my favorite horror movie, if you, uh-huh. it's probably not the cool answer necessarily, but I would have to say House of a Thousand Corpses, honestly. Like, it's it's, it's not uh, a, homage a cool to... answer. We, like, both Nathan and I love Dr. Satan, so I, I don't see a problem with that. Right. Uh, well, it, it's just so, like, it's an homage in and of itself to so many different things, but it's so stylish and just everything about it I love, and it's another one of those movies I can recite from the beginning to the end, and it, it's also, like, as far as my personality and things, I think if you want to get to know me, if you know that movie, then you would get a lot of me. <laughs> I, I, well, let me ask I, you a question. Okay. You say that you, 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 you know, you consider yourself the fourth devil. Who is your favorite cinematic Satan? What's your favorite portrayal of old Scratch himself from the movies? God dang, that is a tough answer. Um, hmm. That's a big question there, Nathan. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I think you might have some the big questions, you know. That is asking him like the universe and everything. Right. Mine's De Niro and Angel Heart. I mean, that's a really good one. I was almost going to say that. I mean, you have the silliness of, well, isn't it Pacino in The the Devil's Advocate? Which Devil's always Advocate. Yeah. I love lot. The Devil's Advocate. I actually defend that film a lot. So I saw it in the theaters when they, before they cut down the art piece in, in the back end. And that movie was much better in the screen, big screen than what it became on TV, just so you know. But anyway. But I also yeah, like Jack no, I enjoyed it. I I still think it holds up, and I have a thing for Keanu Reeves. I'm not saying I don't. Uh, so uh, you know, and Charlize Theron. I mean, it was an early performance for her. I mean, there's a lot of good in that movie. 
Um, but, speaking of Keanu Reeves, I was not a big fan of Constantine, but Peter Stormare was a really good devil in that. Uh, that movie yeah. is, is not perfect. There's some. It's very uneven, but the mo. The, but the like that performance and Tilda Swinton is fan are fantastic in that movie. And I also really like their image of hell. I think their image of hell was quite beautiful. That's also we could add that. What what's your fate if you can't figure out your devil? Um, maybe you can figure out what your favorite Im- hell images are. Oh, definitely Hellraiser. Like, I love the the Clive Barker vision of hell, the cold and desolate hell. It's not fiery and hot. It's cold and lonely and empty and sad. And uh, I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, I was thinking, what is that movie with William Shatner and Ernest Borgnine? Oh, the Devil's the Rain? Devil's Rain. Devil's Rain is <laughs> awesome. Yep. That's pretty great. I love that episode of Hammer House of Horror where it's like the looking into the abyss or something like that where they look into the, the mirror and can see Satan. That's a, a great image of hell, I think. Um, there's so much. <laughs> I'll throw uh, yeah, one as out. far as hell, it would be Hellraiser. Go ahead, Nathan. I'll throw one out. It's, dude, Hellraiser, the one from uh, Hellraiser 2, that's that's way up there. But maybe my favorite is This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse, the Coffin Joe flick. Okay. Like, it, his hell is super psychedelic, like, just craziness of, like, wiggling body parts sticking out of walls everywhere and strange colors. And it's just, it's, his hell is a badass. It's really cool. I would also like to back it up with, with, um, with the similar idea of being cold and desolate is the end of the beyond Fultz's movie. Um, Cause they oh, actually yeah. end up in hell uh, and hell makes you go blind from being down there. Just being down there, you will go blind. It, it actually has nothing to do with your faults. You just, you can't handle what you're looking at. I really love that image. And you know, those are actually homeless people naked on the ground there, by the way, he hired homeless people and, painted them and said lay down naked and it was cold and damp as it looks um <laughs> so not very nice did you expect people. philanthropy from lucio Fulci? really no i'm not saying <laughs> I, I i can't judge his skills because it's still one of my favorite endings and any Fulci has a hard time ending his films even when he does because sometimes the ending just disappears we don't know what happens to it uh, but that ending to the beyond is such an awesome payoff for the what you've been watching for the rest of it. And that's actually why I think it might be his best cinematic movie because the storytelling is way more coherent in that one than any of his other films. Yet it's still completely him and off the wall. But I could talk about Fulci all day, so I'll stop now. Um, <laughs> so I, I fucking love Fulci. Um, no, I do too. I, I, I huge Fulci fan. Absolutely love the Gates of Hell trilogy. I uh, love New York Ripper. It's like one of those movies that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. But I, I watch it any chance I get because you know, you just love those things that actually make you feel something. And New York Ripper definitely makes you feel feelings. Uh, the one thing ah, I will say, the, the, just the razor blade, man. That's the simplest <laughs> weapon. Just a razor blade. I, I, I know that Joe Bob Briggs does not like Italian horror. He's, he's admitted to he's not a big fan of I-horror. I, I, even even God I, has faults. Yeah, 
it, it, it's okay. But Darcy is, and he had Eli Roth do his show and talk about it, who is a huge iHorror fan. Uh, and to watch him go ahead, and this is why I love Joe Bob. He, even though he didn't love it, he knew his audience. And he played one. And he played House by the Cemetery. And I am actually really excited that a bunch of young people just saw a Fulci movie and got a lesson, a history lesson on iHorror. Yes! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, it goes, you know, that part. But anyway, once again, I'm talking about Fulci. We got to go back to wrestling and horror. And and also, I wanted to point out that I thought you remind me, maybe not in the costume style, but the way you introduced yourself. You were saying seventies horror. That, that, do you have any influence on the Dunwich horror in your in your in, uh, in your life? Like yeah, that I mean, I I love did, Lovecraft, did you... and we saw it as teenagers. I remember watching the Dunwich yeah. horror was one of those video rentals. So yeah, there was a little influence there. So there's there's some devils going on there. Um, so that's a pretty fun version of that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the 70s are awesome that way. We could talk about 70s horror forever. Um, so, but it is really strange to me that you actually said Halloween because none of your influences visually of your character would say, maybe except for the white, uh, really says Halloween. It's not. Those films all have a poetry to them. A lot of the films that we were talking about. Um, you know, there's definitely a cinematic language and, and slasher films do not have necessarily the same style of cinematic language that a film like Dunwich Horror would have. So, or any of those Hammer films, which are definitely paintings on screen sometimes. Uh, so what draws you to that slasher film in particular? Oh, it's just, it was one of those gateway films. It was one of those films, like, if it wasn't for that, none of that other stuff would have come to me. So I have to cite it. It's it's required. I, I get that. I get that now, completely. As a, as a filmmaker yourself, Dan, has there been any thought as to bringing the Reverend into the cinematic universe? Yeah, I have thought about that because there's there's a lot that we could do with that. I just don't want to half-ass it, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do it just to do it. I I want it to to mean something and be really good. But I, it's definitely crossed my mind, and uh, I I almost feel like I'm a little too close to the material with the Rev. Like I, I almost feel like it would be better. The Rev would be better suited for to be written into someone else's project than to me to write my right. own thing about him. I tell you what I was thinking because you mentioned the Crypt Keeper. I think the Rev would be a great character as like a wraparound for an anthology to introduce different stories. Yeah, we definitely thought about doing something like that. And I think a, a, a big thing of it was okay. Well, like we have to write then the individual stories for the anthology and like that's kind of where we the wheels didn't really move forward on that as far as something for one good scare but i i think it would yeah absolutely i i would agree with that and uh so much of the character the laugh in particular is very much influenced by the crypt keeper so there's a lot of that there and as you mentioned joe bob earlier you know as nathan knows i'm a diehard joe bob fan so i, I don't miss an episode of that either so i love the, the whole horror host culture and all of that and the history behind it etc all the way back to zacherly and the like nice i was uh, uh, I, in go on I was, I was going to say, I grew up with Bob Wilkins. He was my um, horror host. 
growing up, if you know who Bob Wilkins was. He was the the straight guy that didn't wear any costume, but he always had a, a, a cigar in one hand and a skull with a candle in the background. And he was the first person in the nation to play Night of the Living Dead on, in, on television in 1968. Oh, wow. So, That's um, awesome. Yeah. I, my I, all-time I, I favorite could, flick. And, and it, he, he, my boy. <laughs> that was my little host, man. And I remember him. He also was my child afternoon program. I mean, there was something called Cosmic, Captain Cosmic. And he also did that. So he was like my days and my nights. I was very warped. And now look at me now talking horror and podcasting um, and watching wrestling because wrestling was also on KTVU. It was very influential on me, that station. So that was where the roller derby was. That's where Glow was. That's where WWF was. Sometimes it, uh, they would show other shows like, NW, uh, like NWA would get a special night. You know, they all, whatever is on syndication they would get. Um, and, uh, so I've been watching wrestling since I was a kid, but then like I lost my interest and now I've been watching AEW again. We've talked about this several times on the show. Um, and this weekend was not only filled with, uh, death matches, um, this Wednesday, they did kind of a mainstream version of a death match. They did something called blood and guts, which is a loosely based on the, what the war, war, war games. War games. Yeah. War games. Yeah. Uh, which Nathan, can you explain War Games to our listeners and what Blood and Guts okay, is War, War Games was a War Games was a Dusty Rhodes creation, and uh, it was two rings side by side, all side by a cage with a top on it. If I, as far as I remember, it's the first cage that had a roof, but it would be uh, teams of five on five, sometimes four on four, most of the times five on five, and it would flip a coin, and two people would start in every five minutes. Someone from each side would come in until everyone was in, and then began the match beyond. And from there, it was submit or surrender, which I've never really understood the difference between submission and surrender. But from there on, it was only that. Pinfalls didn't count. You had to make someone say, I. And it was known the four horsemen were in the vast majority of them, and they were known for, yes, their blood and guts. And it is a particularly violent match. Like, like this that this night match, which was exciting to me to see, they actually put a dis- parental guidance disclaimer in front of the episode. So that was encouraging. <laughs> I was like, okay, they are going to bleed. And then we had a bet. We won't get into details of an over-under. I said four people were going to bleed. Nathan said six, and he won. He actually nailed the six. But we all guessed correctly which ones would bleed which I thought was pretty funny. So so now both of you are huge Deathmatch fans. So to watch this, how does this compare to, like, like the, what do you think the big boys are doing? Are they, what are they doing right? What are they doing wrong in these matches other than storyline? <clears throat> um, <laughs> I'm kind of mad at the end of how that ended, but we'll talk about that too. Uh, but talk about the compare and contrast in the critique the, the, the death matches. <laughs> yes. So I've actually managed like at least half a dozen war games matches, uh, including two of which nice. that are going to be talked about in the upcoming book, Blade, the bloodiest matches in the history of professional wrestling, released by Hybrid Shoot. And I believe that's later in this month. It's actually dropping. I don't think they've, they've dropped the official release date, but 
my, my word is that it's later this month. It's written by Phil Schneider. Pretty honored to be in a book with the likes of uh, matches like Terry Funk and Cactus Jack and people like that. So it's pretty cool. Um, so the War Games is a match I'm very familiar with. Uh, Cash Wheeler of FTR actually came up through the Wild Side Anarchy system. So he learned how to do the War Games matches the right way from us, <laughs> who did a lot of them. Um, and so was very proud of his performance out there. He well, got and the he, blood. he opens the match, too. Him and Sammy Guevara are the first two in. Um, I'm actually watching it right now, believe it or not. It just started on my on my TV. So it tells you uh, this is actually the fifth time in its entirety I will be watching this match for this show. So I thought both of these guys were phenomenal. I've never seen Sammy Guevara better, and he's also got some cred, indie cred in there. Um, so, uh, I think that was a great opening, uh, but they, but do, do they, what, what, what are they doing wrong though? Like there's something not quite as genuine about this as there was, let's say the matches I was watching in live, but also there was a lot of passion that even for that match, because of it was a memorial match. So what did you feel about watching this match and going that, you know, you do this You've watched these people. You've watched them evolve. How do you feel about it overall? Like, do you think the what what do, do they do to want to see them do it again? I enjoyed the match overall. I think they did Dusty's legacy proud. Of course, his son Cody is an executive vice president there, so you know the War Games is a big deal for AEW, and it was important they got it right. I think mostly they did. I think ninety five percent of the match was was pretty outstanding. I think. All the guys that needed to bleed did, uh, and and that's very important in a match like that. You can't undersell the lack, you know, the importance of delivering blood, which WWE doesn't really do anymore. Um, and so that's one thing that sets AEW apart is they can bleed, and so that's very important. Um, and and so you know, I think the body of the match was great. I think really the only things I would have done differently as an experienced booker and somebody who's done this match a lot is, um, you know, the production aspect. I know they had to go to commercials at certain points, but the way they did it towards the end of the match really hurt the flow, and it really uh-huh. hurt the excitement factor. Like, they really – they I don't know what they could have done to avoid it, but I, they should have looked into other options to try to avoid having to go to commercial as they were getting ready to go home in the match because it really killed the momentum. Um, and then the finish – like, I just thought it was too theatrical. I, I, I didn't <laughs> want Chris Jericho to splatter his brains on the concrete and get hurt for real. But I don't know if there was a better way they could have shot it or set it up or what oh, have it, you. But I just don't think it worked. <laughs> I, I thought that there are ending. multiple better ways they could have shot it. <laughs> Nathan and I are watching this, and we rewrote the ending in five minutes and would have made it a lot better. And you could have kept the throw at the end of it if you wanted to. But the problem was they gave it away. Like, I, you know, I, I, someone has to go off the top of the ring in this kind of a match. You just have to. Like, if you don't do it, then it's no payoff, right? But, you know. Well, if you tease it especially. Like, uh, like yeah. I don't think anybody would have expected them to go off the cage if they didn't go up there. <laughs> like, so yeah. that, that was the problem. But, they, but right before, there's a shot, right, and I had to verify it today. There is a shot right before he throws them off. Because for the most part, they've been keeping whatever is at the base of this thing off frame. So you think he's going to fall the whole length of the cage. But then they cut to him, and no, there's this big, like what Nathan called it, a box of Kleenex. 
like halfway down, not even a full drop. It, like we've seen him do bigger drops from farther on harder things. And even, even in AEW now, we know he can handle this ball. And, and it just didn't, it just, it was so anticlimactic compared to everything else that happened before it. Cause right up to that point, I was actually completely and completely sold on the match. I was really into it. I, of course, I've been feeding off the energy of going to the death match ever since I saw it. So I was also ready for this kind of thing, <laughs> you know, um, but See, I compared uh, this, this, match I have the same opinion as I do the movie Hereditary it was 95% awesome but they couldn't stick the ending they, they like they could have done the exact same fall with, with Jericho from one side it looked awesome but then they lingered on the shot where you could see underneath what he landed on and that ruined everything yeah, it, it, well, you could see that like my, my solution real easy Show that first impact, then don't show it again. Show everyone's reactions to it. Show people freaking out, but have the commentators say, get the camera off that. We cannot show that on television. And you just don't show it again. And what people imagine there is, you know, at the bottom of that cage is worse than anything you could show. That's very, very simple. And someone could have called an audible in the truck, you know. Well, you know, things – for, I, I can't but honestly. I agree with Dan. That was, I agree. For the most part, that was a great match. Uh, it was fun. Uh, it, it like I said, I've rewatched it. It's 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 almost old school. It's still I still think there's a lot of rehearsing going on that sometimes they lose the the improvisation of the show. But like I'm watching like the top rope work oh my god it's just amazing like like i have to say these guys might be this show was the number one watch show on cable last week um it was the highest in the demographics of 18 to 49 which of course is the one that you want to snag if you're a television executive um and it was the first time a wrestling match has done that on television uh so at 1.1 million viewers or something ridiculous. I mean, it was it was a huge thing, which is more than what they usually get on a Wednesday. They don't they have steady fan base, but they don't have huge ratings. They they are outrating uh, WWE right now. WWE is capitulated. They have officially announced they are moving to Tuesdays. Um, so NXT is now no longer going to be on Wednesday nights. Uh, so uh, at least I don't know if it is in your demographics it's on and here it's both are on at the same time <laughs> which is like okay <laughs> so um but i'm really proud of these boys they're trying i think they're trying to do as much as they can i really do well aw is very important right now and and you know I, not me trying to jockey for a job because at this point i'm doing this for me if somebody wants to pay me that's great but um like i me and tank we came up in a period of the business and i can use this in a promo this is the biggest drought in the history of the business we started uh when in Wildside we were a wcw development territory and so you know we had rosy glasses of like oh man 
all these opportunities are going to come our way. And then WCW gets shut down, like within our first few years in the business. And so then it's only WWE. And for the last almost 20 years, it's only been them. And they've pretty much strangled the rest of the business out. And now you have AEW and the rise of AEW has begot other promotions that are now signing people to contracts and paying people. And um, it's just a crazy, healthy time for the business with all of this competition, the likes of which we've never seen. But AEW is leading that charge because they're the only real competition to WWE out there. And it's important for wrestling survival that AEW succeeds right now, in my opinion. Uh, I would agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And Phil Cold Steve Austin wrote an article I read today that posted – about the blood and guts tournament. And he said this, pretty much the same thing. He's like, the more wrestling cross promotions there are, the more of us get work. <laughs> he just said it straight up mm-hmm. like that. And he's absolutely right. And he says that it's, this is good for everybody, including WWE, for these guys to succeed. So, I, I, so I'm glad that there's people that see the potential of how what is happening. I mean, I actually think, not even as a wrestling fan, but as a media person, that this show might be the best thing on television right now. Uh, I, it's, it's definitely the most, like, I, everyone who watches it are so into it. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and now I'm exploring the independent scene with, with Nathan, influencing me heavily on that. All of that is helping, and, and I got to see you, sir. And before you go tonight, you actually have a really huge promotion coming up. And please talk about you and Tank up in Atlantic City in June. And any other thing yes. you're doing, for that matter. Oh, they've got a yeah. stop before then, too. We sure do. Yeah, June 19th will be the next advertised stop. There's one coming up towards the end of May that's not been announced yet, so I can't speak on that. But uh, So for coming up for me and Tank, Stops June 19th in Cornelia, Georgia, the arena where we were made famous, and we helped make that arena famous, too. We'll be making probably our only appearance in 2021 in Cornelia there for Pro Wrestling Georgia as Tank takes on Insane Lane in a no-rope barbed wire match. Uh, These two have been friends for years, going back to the IWA Deep South days, those early Carnage Cup tournaments. Uh, This is the first time they've got to lock it up in a match like this. We're very excited to tangle with Lane, and there's going to be lots of destruction in Cornelia. And then, of course, on uh, the June 25th, 26th weekend, we will be in Atlantic City, New Jersey, as part of the Boardwalk Buds weekend. ICW presents No Holds Barred and Pit Fighter. And already announced on that Saturday night at the ICW Unlucky 13 show for No Holds Barred. In the chains, the most unique fighting environment in professional wrestling. Doing these shows has been incredible because I've never quite seen a presentation like this. And I'm absolutely in love with what ICW does. And it's going to be Tank against one of Texas's best heavy metal, Ruben Steele inside the chains it's going to be the most metal uh-huh. match in deathmatch history i promise and the bourbon room is a nice venue like that's a big beautiful venue you're about to do 
Uh, I'm, as a matter of fact, I was actually interested because I wanted to see more of because the, Akira's match was extremely short, and I really wanted to go to that. So I was actually, my daughter wants to go up to the beach, and so I'm like, okay, let's kill two birds with one stone. So I'm actually going to be there for Friday and Saturday night. Uh, so I told you I was going, but I'm for sure going. Aren't I, Nathan? Yes, you are. Actually, I'm going to be at both of those because the Cornelius show, I am the voice of Pro Wrestling Georgia, so I will be calling that match, which I cannot wait to see Tank and Insane Lane to tangle in the No Rope Bar nice. Bar match. Those are, that's, two, that's two of the OGs of Southern Ultraviolence right there. And I will be there in New Jersey as a civilian watching the show. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the Reverend and Tank tear it up. That's incredible. I didn't know we were going to get to hang out in New Jersey at Boardwalk Buds. That could be dangerous. Yeah. yeah, That could be very, very dangerous. uh, My my daughter will be with us, so there will be a check and balance a little bit because she wants to come to the match. Um, And she's old enough to handle it. So the evil genius can definitely handle it, can't she, Nathan? (laughs) She can handle a lot of things. She can definitely handle it. So that's going to be an experience to have my daughter at this thing. Uh, but I'll probably take her. You guys can go hang out at the boardwalk and do the, the, the boardwalk buds thing, and I'll take her to the beach. I'll take it for the team. I'm not much of a beach person, but I'll do it for you guys so you can go hang out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be kind of crazy. Beach upon Atlantic City. Oh, my God. You guys are going to, like, like the like, – we already know the earth shakes when we meet. So imagine with all your, your deathmatch friends up there, you're just going to tear the whole fucking city down. Just destroy it. <laughs> I know, man. It's all good. So we are so excited. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. Um, and uh, once again, anything else you want to plug once you tell them where you can find you on the interwebs one more time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So you can follow me on Twitter at Dragons Rejects at the moment. I'm actually considering changing that for branding purposes because it's about how it's one of those that's about outlived its usefulness. But for now, that's where you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can follow, of course, the One Good Scare production social media at OG Scare on both Facebook and Twitter, as well as our YouTube channel. All of that is at OG Scare. Um, you can follow me on my official Facebook page is Rev Dan the Dragon Wilson. And if you're looking to book Tank, you can email either uh, he's Warren Hollander at yahoo.com. You can email me at Dan at ogscareproductions.com to inquire about bringing the Rev and Tank to a venue near you. And don't miss a brand new episode of Seeking Human Victims dropping tomorrow as we discuss the 2013 Evil Dead remake. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And I will see you, sir, in seven weeks. Sounds great. I look forward to seeing both of you. Awesome. Thank you for coming Hell on yeah. the show. And if you ever just want to chat horror or you just need to vent, you're welcome to call in anytime because it's a live show and we like that. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for having me. Great talking to you both. And I would be glad to rejoin you again one day. Fantastic. So the, good night, Mr. Reverend Dan the Dragon Wilson. Um, and thank you again. I'm going to let you free. So uh, we'll see you soon uh, in the ring. And the, and the Bob, no ropes. That's going to be awesome, dude. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you both again. Have a great night. Good night. Indeed. And the way the Nike goes.
So that it is Reverend Dan Wilson of uh, the Dragon Wilson, uh, the manager of Tank. And once again, go see his shows. The next one's June it's 11th, 12th, right? And then it's the 26th, which is when we get to go see him. So yeah. come and see it at Atlantic City. It's going to be amazing. The lineup is amazing. And on the line, I believe, is one of my co-hosts, Mr. Nathan. Let's see what we got here. Thank you for waiting. Hello. Hello. You're on with Sexy Hi. Bitches. Hi. How's it going, Steve? How's everybody good doing? Good evening. I'm good. How are you? Fine. Have you listened to any of the show so far? No, I have not. I'm sorry. It's okay. I will but, ba- you know, just, just as I was about five minutes of uh, getting hyped, hearing all that kind of right before he signed off for about uh, five, six minutes there, but uh, it's exciting stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's just uh, I don't. It's like one of those things. Pro wrestling, it's like um, it's definitely something that like I definitely never followed, but like everyone around me did. Um, and it's just one of those things that it was on a lot growing up. And it's it, it just you turn that on in the second I've been to shows, you know, and I've just I've, I've you know buddies get together, pay per view, that kind of thing. You can turn it on in a second, and it's just it's it's a total blast. It's like a uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't have to tell you guys, it's like the best thing ever to be a part of. So it's just, it, it's one of the things, it just turns it on immediately. It's cool. Well, I've now caught this wrestling bug and I'm a little obsessed. And since it's open and concerts and media conventions still are not, I thought I would assign you one and see how you feel about it if you choose to accept this mission. I do. I do. I'm excited about the mission already. And I, I appreciate it coming my way. And it's in Charleston, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't um, go to the one that, that, unfortunately, Dan the Dragon's doing that weekend because that's in the Deep South, but there is one within driving distance of you on June 12th sure. in Charleston, West Virginia. Um, before we get yeah. into it, Nathan, talk about promotions and cross-promotions because, um, obviously, this one is, I believe, IWA. Is that correct? And we're going to see ICW up in Atlantic City, and there's also GCW, which is very popular, it turns out. Uh, in the Midwest, okay. so like, and and uh, Dan the Dragon Wilson also kind of talked about how this is. There's a lot of good companies out there. So talk about it for a second, because a lot of these wrestlers are going to repeat themselves in, in the cross promotions, which is something that the WWF never did as a mainstream wrestling company. No, we actually uh, in uh, Total Psychopathic Wrestling in uh, Knoxville where we had our tribute show for Cole 45. We had three different companies' titles defended on that show. It's cool. There's a lot of cooperation right now between a lot of companies, but there's also a lot of company rivalries. I mean, ICW is one of the big death match companies right now. GCW also one of the big ones. IWA East Coast is one that we haven't heard much from for a couple of years now, but it's coming back. That's Madman Pondo's um, promotion. He's the one that runs that you may know him from 2001 Maniacs. You may know him from ah, the many years yes, of Deathmatch yes, Wrestling, of 16 tours of Japan. He's a legend. That Very is cool. promotion. But he got—he oh, was okay. originally going to be in that tournament, but he got injured WrestleMania weekend and will not be in there. But the lineup is sick. That is going to be an insane show. Like, you, sir, are lucky. That is going to be an Awesome, awesome show. It's, gonna, it's awesome right there. Caitlin, too. No, yeah, I don't. No, it'll be. This will be totally. This will be just like diving, diving in, kind of straight <laughs> Gonzo style with this. 
Going to a deathmatch show for your first wrestling show is like shooting heroin before you smoke your first cigarette. So. Yeah, yeah, it's what it feels like. And Skateland oh. is where, like, the roller girls practice um, and do their thing. So the place just has a um, – I used to live over there for 15, 16 years in Charleston. So mm-hmm. uh, I just – Skateland is a very uh, – very cool spot, and like I think that the Chemical Valley Roller Girls, I don't even know if they still exist, but there is some sort of roller girls that all practice there. So it just always has a very shows and played there, very very cool kind of punk rock space as it is in, in the area. So the whole thing just cool. is exciting. It's, just, it's, it's like a circus is coming to town kind of feeling. You know, so I mentioned roller derby twice on this show because there is an overlap between roller derby and wrestling. So, so that yeah, that's where they all practice. Yeah, I used to go. It'd be, we everybody used to just go watch them there. It's pretty. It's, like, it's just a rundown old gym. It's, it's right like it is on Campbell's Creek. Like it's very, very on brand. Kind of the uh, the atmosphere for the kind of central southern West Virginia that it is. So it, it'll be. It's it's going to be perfect. Like I'm I'm so stoked for it. The more I talk and picture, it's just going to be. It's going to be a blast. Well, there's a this lineup is large and very good, and I can tell you, I saw a few of these guys at the memorial match, and and like Nathan knows the rest. Um, I can run the list down, and and Nathan, if you want to feature anyone in particular, uh, please do so. Uh, we got Akira, so which all you already mentioned. Yeah, great. Is it G Raver? It's G Raver, right? G Raver is actually he's recently come back from a major injury, and he's got something to prove. That dude. That dude's nuts. He will do anything. That guy gives zero <laughs> about his body um, or the body of anyone he's in the ring with. He's crazy. So Akira is going to be at the um, at the NC show as well, uh, the Atlantic City show too, as well as Schlack. He's yep. going to be there, and uh, Shane Mercer, Nolan Edward, who's going to be at the AC show, who you have never seen, and you wanted to see Nathan, right, Nolan Edward? I have never uh, seen Nolan Edward live. I'm really he's one of the re- he's one of the recent uh, you know up and comers in the deathmatch world, and he's really making a name for himself. You mentioned Shane Mercer. That dude is a genetic freak. Like, <laughs> no one should be that strong. I watched him and Kyle the Beach play catch with a grown-ass man on the last GCW show. Like, this dude, think if Brock Lesnar could do a moonsault. That's this guy. This is going to be wild. Yeah, and then we have Dilly Lloyd, Alex Colin, and then of course the reigning champion Don Wayne Murdoch. Um, so um, you know, it's actually kind of like you're you like I got a nice like overall overview of like old school and new school at the memorial match. You get to see Steve the the ones that are at the top of their game right now. So like you're, you're, gonna have, you're going to see an all star game basically. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, that, I yeah, I need to get that like I, where I just don't know. There's like a. I'm glad. Okay, that's great to know. The, the hype will. I will remember that when I when I go as well. I I will do my 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 due diligence. I, you know, my reverence will be paid. I'm excited. My my. I'm starting to get that kind of hey, nervous remember, excitement. You didn't yeah. like Elvira at all until I made you go to her panel. So you can trust me I when I say I this product is. I know. Product. I knew that was good. That would stop anybody. I, I, I was very. I, I had never given Elvira a shot 
above some things I'd heard about, um, some some unfair false things uh, concerning her and, like, Myra Nurmi's relationship. Um, it wasn't fair on my, my part. It was it was bad move. I just always kind of uh, brushed her to the side and, and never had really seen much of, of you know, to, to, to have a fair thing. But, like, I, I did go to her panel when I was at Whorehound, and it was – and not that she has to, like, win some loser like me over, but, like, she was really sweet, and uh, she, uh, on top of everything else, it was just an awesome – it was an awesome panel. Like, that's flooding back to me now that whole weekend. That was incredible. But, uh, yeah, she's amazing, obviously. I was, like, the last person on earth to, to find that out. And, yeah, so – Well, that's um, why I, 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 I want to send you different to this. I think – I want to yeah. see if you like it. It might actually – and you should, you should try anything once. And this is and this lineup sure. is so good. If it wasn't so soon, I would go to this. But I'm going to go to the AC right. show, which I'm totally excited about. Uh, but we're going to have a follow-up show and a pre and a and a um, preview show of the matches in the AC on the 20th of June. So that's when if you go to this, you're going to report back to me on Sunday the 20th. Okay. All righty. Yep. Great. Got it. Got it. So we're going to close out the last 15 minutes. If you want to hang for a minute, we're going to review our one last thing we did on our wonderful vacation to, uh, 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 we went to Pigeon Fjord, Pennsylvania, uh, Tennessee, right? I can't even remember where I've been. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Tennessee, Gatlinburg so and Pigeon Forge, which Nathan had been to when he was like a whippersnapper, but he had not seen That's what that town was. I've been there when, like, when I was 11, I went to Gatlinburg once. It's yeah, not I anything you remember. So, yeah. Nothing yeah. you remember. Same. Yeah, no, <laughs> I just remember like Ripley's and I remember we watched it was like the 4th of July and we watched Empire Strikes Back in the, in the hotel room. That's what I, that's what I remember about Gallenberg. So oh I God, remember it nothing is tourist about cheese heaven now. Tourist yeah, cheese yeah. heaven. People, yeah, it looks like to... that and Myrtle Beach are like the two most popular places for people to even go here. So I'm surprised that I've actually, like when they go somewhere, you know, from where I live, yeah, it's a popular spot. So I'm surprised I've never been. I'm really surprised, too, because I go there every couple of years. I was there three years ago. I went to Dollywood during their Christmas celebration, which was kind of incredible in its own right. But that was also the the day that Princess Leia died, and so I was crying for half of it, too. It was really real. I was like, my princess, my princess. But I'm trying to keep in a good mood for Lily. Um, They have one really good rollercoaster there. Uh, But... um, uh, where was I going with that? We went to the Mysterious Mansion, which is one of the oldest yes, walk, run-through walk, haunted walkthroughs left in the United States. Ooh. And I have never actually gone. It's in Gatlinburg. And, and I think, Nathan, you did it once when you were a kid? I did it when I was a kid, and we went back, and it got the highest mark of achievement I can give a haunted house. They got oh, me shit. with a jump scare. Got me good. Oh, Got him with the first man. jump scare. The first one. Yeah. Oh. So the very now, that first is, that, that, that's high praise, right? That's amazingly that's high praise. I, I, I've been haunting for 20-plus years. I know all the tricks. <laughs> I, and, oh, but I, I kind of set him up a little bit. I kind of get me. It was awesome. Oh. I, 
So and and it's actually really good walkthrough. Like the atmosphere is fun. Um, I would love to see it. There wasn't a lot of people there. I would love to see it full because um, you can actually oh, yeah. look through. The, 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 it kind of wraps around a um, stairway, um, the, the, and you kind of circle up and then come back down. And so you can kind of look down through the through the uh, through the haunt, and you can you could if it oh, was busy awesome. you can see people. So I bet you it would be fun oh. to watch all these people jumping and, and screaming all through. I, I was. How do you explain what I was doing, Nathan? You you said it was endearing. <laughs> you were yeeping. You were yeeping. yeeping. It was yeeping. Yes, you were making sound all the way through. It. Things were jumping out at her. Oh, no. Awesome. Oh, gosh, I need to go then. I, I, I don't even remember that. And that's, you know, my family were very – it's probably why I turned to horror at such a young age. They were anti-all that. So we wouldn't even have known that was there with my parents. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> like, I've never old heard school. of that until now. Yeah, it's very yeah, old school. I got to do it. Um, That's awesome. it, it. It's classic haunting. I mean, you don't get more traditional than that show. And and it was so much – it was a good show. And I, I would go back in a heartbeat to do it again. Uh, so, but yeah, that's not awesome. all. It is friggin' Pigeon Forge, and neither one of you will either. Uh, he didn't recognize it, and I know you won't recognize it when you go see it because no. it looks nothing <laughs> like what you guys remember. And so there are like miles, and I mean literally miles of those like like slick racetracks, like go karts, or like all over and the place. And a dinosaur like, dark ride. But the, yeah, I was getting oh, to that. But the one thing that we wow. did was the dinosaur boat. It's a boat ride, so it's a tunnel of love what style ride. Um, animatronic Jurassic ride, they called it. So you know, dinosaurs. But it it that it, is awesome. Cool. Yeah, it was actually pretty cool. We sat in the back, which was the right answer, and uh, we watched. Yeah. We saw all the stuff, and um, it didn't have a track. It had the trench. But occasionally it had this really cool locking arm that would take the boat and then turn it. And I thought that was kind of neat. So the mechanics of the ride is cool. Um, There was one gag that actually was amazing. You turn a corner with the first time you see the large room you're in. uh, There is a flying pterodactyl. And in its hands, Steve, we kid you not, was a doll the size of a kid. No shit. Yeah, yeah. Kind of scary, actually. Dragging the kid back to out. wherever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it was great. Love that. Oh my god, yeah. did I love that? I um, <laughs> you know. Oh, I want to go like, to the amusement oh, park so bad now. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> we do too. But I want to ride a dinosaur ride. That sounds so much fun. <laughs> when um, I take Nathan to the death match, or is he taking me to the death match? I don't know which one. Now we're both going to the death match. Um, <laughs> On the way back, I'm going to take him to three separate dark rides on the Jersey Shore. Oh, cool! That see, yeah. I mean, there's, I, I would love to do more stuff like that. That's really cool. Yeah, oh, I, I, I'll, I I'll love, be looking forward to hear that. The old school traditional ones that are like you could yeah. like pick them up and take them places. I love those times. Bill Tracy, he was like oh, way famous so cool. designer of, of traditional dark rides on the East Coast. There's not many of them left. We have two here in Maryland. Um, and I, we, we won't get to those on those trips. Uh, the ones on Maury's Pier, there's one left. It's called Dante's uh, Dungeon, which I can't wait to show. Wait, wait, I'm not going to spoil it right and now. And these aren't seasonal, right? No, don't. no they're year-round. I didn't, 
Right. That's what or, I thought. Or when yeah, it is seasonal, like if, if it's seasonal, like like the boardwalk opens, but even when it's seasonal, the weekends often they'll be open. It just won't be open all week. So it really depends on the I don't think we market. have anything like that here, but that's really cool. You that's do. Awesome. You absolutely do. Oh, my God. Or do we you have, have Cam- at the amusement park like Shawnee? You have is that Camden Park in, in uh, oh. Parkersburg. Oh, Camden Park. Okay. Okay. Camden Park. Sure. Yeah, I've been to Camden. Camden Park's not far from I grew up going to, like, um, see, when we would play, like, uh, Little League or softball, every at the end of the year there would be a, like, a all the teams in the – State district, probably the districts, whatever, would go to a cookout at Camden Park at the end of the year, and you could go ride the rides and stuff. Yeah. There's two historic so, rides in that yeah. park, and their dark ride is almost unique. There's only one like it, and and that's the Flying Witch in Rye, New York. Uh, it's a gravity coaster. The whole ride lasts oh. a minute, and it's a you fly through a, a haunted mansion in like from the <laughs> yeah. top to the bottom in one minute. It is. Phenomenal! Yeah. It's divine. It's beautiful, wow, and it's, it's crazy. People do have reverence for those kind of things now. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So you totally yeah. have one. <laughs> yeah, we do. Absolutely. We do. Yeah, we we have. Okay, I was kind of thinking. I I was trying to wrap my head exactly how I was trying to define a dark ride in my head. Um. And okay. Yeah, we definitely do. I, yeah. So yeah, a uh, Pigeon Forge has a love for the macabre and the horror which is nice because uh, of course with the hollywood theme you got to have some classic monsters and we actually yeah. also did myself and nathan a one of those 3d shoot 'em up rides this was an evil clowns thing so of course we both had to do it um and oh, we wow. found at the gift shop oh my god i still want mine we found uh not uh texas chainsaw massacre lunch boxes so we bought. No them. shit. Yes, shit. Oh, yeah, like, that's oh. perfect. Yeah, so I bought. And we found kick- a horror themed restaurant. And we did. We did. Yeah, we see, that was picturing in my head. I was like, yeah, horror themed restaurants are the best. And, unfortunately, and the on the way, the way home, we good. found a drive-in. Yeah, we did find a drive-in. Oh, it wasn't open. You know, I've still never been to a drive-in. How sad is that? Oh my god. Okay, we gotta fix that. You. You could drive to the Winter Drive-In in Ohio Valley um, and go see. That's the second largest screen in the country. The winter is amazing. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Yes, I don't even know that. I, the driving culture seemed to have eluded me for so many years. Oh, like my God. That. We'll have to talk about for that some reason. there. I might have to assign yeah. you a, a, a trip to the drive-in this summer. Yeah, no, I would love that. That would be, that would make me go. <laughs> but first thing first yeah, is a wrestling yeah. match. So, so yeah, first thing first. Yes, indeed. Yep. Yeah. I kicked. By the way, I kicked Nathan's ass at the shoot 'em up game. Just so you know. She I did. Totally did. Oh, true. I for the record. Slack. Because she's the well, smart one. She she's being tactical <laughs> and just picking them off. I'm just going full rock and roll, just blowing everything away. Yeah. So she's oh, the, yeah, she's the yeah. smart combat tactician between the two of us. She'll <laughs> she'll live longer in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, right, I, yeah. I'm gonna be, I'm not gonna survive You'll the zombie go out apocalypse. Oh, oh absolutely. I'll I'll be like Vasquez. You were always an asshole, Burke. <laughs> That'll be my last line. Oh I man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, that that scene I rewatched that recently, uh still obviously, you know it had packs that same power that did when I was like eight. Vasquez is still one of my favorite characters in the science fiction movie of all time. Like I love her so, so cool. much. 
so much. And yeah, and Goldstein also was in Near Dark, which you know, two major yeah. major performances, in, of you know, yeah. hugely influential. I didn't even realize how influential she was in my life until I went back and looked those films up again. Uh, you know, yeah, so, those movies uh, are both perfect, aren't they? But anyway, so we have Near our time so in. So how is, yes. and oh, we also, by the way, went to a moonshine, uh, quote unquote moonshine, but a hard liquor tasting as well. I knew about a place that did free tasting. Oh, great. And they still did a free tasting, awesome. so we went there, and it was a lot of fun, actually, wasn't it, Nathan? I'm still not sure if that key lime pie moonshine is the most wonderful or most terrifying thing I've ever drank. <laughs> you know what oh, you do with gosh. it? You take it and you drizzle it on cheesecake, and you eat it like that. Ooh, oh dear God! Good Lord! Good Lord! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. I, I felt nailed boners when I said that. Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, it, but doesn't that sound delicious? Anyway, so what it is does. your uh, yeah. what is your thumbs up or thumbs down for Pigeon Forge as as it is now, Nathan? Now that you've been there. Oh, two major thumbs up. Two big thumbs up. Nice. And what's yes. one of the things you want to go back and do? Like, tell them about, like, micro-wrestling. Tell them about that. Oh, what? God. There's, there's, there is a little people wrestling dinner theater there. No. No. Yeah, that, okay. I'm going. I am not kidding you. <laughs> I'm not, not, I, I shit you not. Hear those words together, some processing, but it sounds amazing. Yeah. There, there's a, there's also a, a monkey emporium where you can take pictures with monkeys, three monkeys. that we could never find. Three monkeys. Yes, three Aww. monkeys. Yes, three yes. monkeys. Not just one monkey. It's three monkeys. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> so, there's, cool. it, like, tourist kitschy stuff is crack to me, and this place is, yeah. like, <laughs> more of it than you can handle. Packed ha- have you given Richard like, that one strip right there. presents yet? <laughs> Have you given Richard his present yet? No, the big not yet. Store? Not yet. Okay. Richard, if you're listening, you need oh, to go get a present. Store. But yes. I'm not going to tell you I, anymore. I, I, I'm Sasquatch is right really popular in that area. Everyone has cuts out of Sasquatch. We still like, do, Richard, we still got to do shots out of that trophy, too. So come get your gift and bring that trophy. <laughs> well, that's right, because we talked about that in the last show, that Richard won the, the Face uh, Grinder Award at the Grind Flotation Film Festival. So everyone's oh, had awesome. a really, had a really uh, us horror geeks and wrestling geeks have had a really good string of luck. Let's hope it holds out for a little bit longer. For sure. And, yes. and today is the year anniversary of the beginning of my new life. It was not easy. I'm surprised I'm still alive sometimes, and I'm not joking about that. But I'm here. I'm tough. I'm not as tough as Nathan, who's an animal. Right. But um, <laughs> yes. Two, two yeah, years yeah. ago, two days ago was the beginning of mine. So, so yeah, here we are. Everybody's still being here. Let's see what we're happening. Um, I have made a decision about the madness this year. I'm going to hold out for the next episode of Sexy Witches, which will be. Oh yeah. Let me see. I believe. Let's see. I am doing it on either the 19th or the 26th, or probably the 26th, which will be a recap of the Monster Mania. Expo in Oaks, Pennsylvania, and I'm also taking my evil genius to see Creep Show and The Fog at the Colonial oh, Theater so where cool. the blob was shot in 1958. And it'll be first time for her seeing both those movies, and I'm taking her to the best theater in our area to go see them. 
So uh, that'll be the next time we talk again. So thank you, Nathan, for being on the show. And Steve, I'll see you on the 26th of, of May. See you then. Uh, Hang on. Then. Good night, guys. I got a couple plugs I need to throw out. Okay, go throw your plugs, man. Plug all the things, Nathan. <laughs> all right. Plug. May 22nd, the Voice of Violence is going to be back at Total Psychopathic Wrestling at the Chatterbox in Knoxville, Tennessee. Got a show called Right to Remain Violent. Brad Cash is going to be defending the title against Chuck Stein. We got Aiden Blackheart on that show. We got Neil Diamond Cutter on that show. It's going to be an amazing night of wrestling, May 22nd in Knoxville. Then on June 19th in Cornelia, Georgia, Bloody Roots, presented by Pro Wrestling Georgia. Tank is going to take on Insane Lane and the No Rope Barbed Wire match, as we talked about earlier with the Reverend. Yes. It's going to be an amazing night in the, in the uh, Landmark Arena with those two making their return to the place where they've shed so much blood before. And you can catch me on my two podcasts. Uh, I've got Caught Dead Watching, which is where we watch all the crap that you wouldn't be caught dead watching. And which is my, my favorite show you do, by the way. Thank yeah, you. And my new show, Sell Your Soul, where me and Brad talk about soul music and talk about all of the classics that we love, and hopefully we'll introduce you to some all of your old favorites and maybe some of your new ones. So check me out on my podcast. Come out and see some wrestling. Support indie horror. Support indie wrestling. And there you go. Wonderful plugging. We we know. always appreciate a good fucking plug. Um, and we, once again, we'll be back on the 26th of May um, to recap the Monster Mania uh, convention. And also, don't forget to also, yes, support your local drive-in because the drive-in season is officially on upon us so go see a movie at the drive-in um it's social distancing and a movie so you've got it all and um you know get your vaccines motherfuckers i want to go to concerts again other than that good film hunting good night everyone and we'll see you in a couple weeks thank you and we'll leave you tonight with colt 45's favorite artist eminem which I know we play him a lot on this show. Well, it's Eminem. I like him too. Anyway, good night. This is Role Model. Everyone, go Bill Hunting. Blessed be. Okay, I'm going to attempt to drown myself. You can try this at home. You can be just like me. Mike, check one, two. We record so when I did, you wouldn't want to answer this If you responded back with a battle rap, you wrote for cannabis I strangled you to death and I choked you again And break your fucking legs till your bones poke your skin You beef with me, I'ma even a score equally Take you on Jerry Springer and beat your ass legally I get you blunted off a of funny homegrown Cause when I smoke out, I hit the trees harder than Sonny Bono So if I said I never did drugs That would mean I lie and get fucked more than the president does Hillary Clinton tried to slap me and call me a pervert I ripped her fucking tonsils out and fed her server. My nerves hurt, and lately I'm on edge. Grab vanilla ice and ripped out his blonde red. Every girl I ever went out with is gone mad. Follow me and do exactly what the song says. Smoke weed, take pills, drop out of school. Kill people and drink and jump behind the wheel like it was still legal. I'm dumb enough to walk in a store and steal. So I'm dumb enough to ask for a date with Lauren Hill. Some people only see that I'm white, ignoring skill. Cause I stand out like a green hat with an orange bill. But I don't get pissed. How the fuck can I be white? I don't even exist. I get a clean shave, babe, go to a rave, die from an overdose, and dig myself up out of my grave. My middle finger won't go down. How do I wave? And this is time I'm supposed to teach kids how to behave. Now follow
it's her birth, it was four minutes late. Mother, are you there? I love you. I never meant to hit you over the head with that double, that double. Will someone please explain in my brain that I just severed a main vein with a chainsaw and I'm in pain? I take a breather inside, either I'm high. 